Welcome to African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement. I'm your host, Marie Strotter. Please go to brightnews.com. That is the YouTube channel for Bright News, and you can find our commentary and our videos and podcasts there. Please subscribe while you're there. You can also find us at anchor.fm forward slash A-A-C-O-N-S. You can also find us at ACONS, A-A-C-O-N-S dot substack. Com. And if you'd like to support our work, you can also go to anchor.fm forward slash A-A-C-O-N-S forward slash support. In central Texas, where I am located and across much of the nation, we are experiencing an ice storm and it uh, got our guest uh Typically, Alan West is our guest on the on the uh, once a month in February, and he is uh, locked in, snowed in somewhere. So he was not able to join us today. So you will have DK and I for the whole time to talk about a number of stories of the day. So let me bring DK in. DK, welcome. Hola. Hi. Hi. How's it going in that Texas? It's cold and icy. <laughs> cold and icy. Yeah, for this California girl, I'm not used to ice. <laughs> yeah, what's that? I remember seeing the pictures of your uh, kids online, and it was like the first time they've seen snow in te- when they moved it was, to Texas. It was the first time they had seen snow in Texas, yes. Yeah. So, and now they're inter- like, whatever. You know, <laughs> I, I've seen a lot of it now, so whatever. Well, as a New Jersey guy, I can tell you, snow is fun for a while, but once you start shoveling... This is ice. This is not even snow. I wish it were snow. This is ice. I'm I'm currently looking out my window and I see my neighbor's icicles dripping off of their house. Oh boy. So yeah, it's not good. Yeah, no. So everything is shut down. Um, Roads are pretty much impassable today. That's what all the news is saying. They've been saying that since yesterday morning. We have an advisory through tomorrow morning. Um, I guess I shouldn't use these timestamps because our we record not on the day that this posts. So hopefully by the time people see this, we'll, we'll be thought out a little bit. Okay. But I wanted to talk to you today because today um, marks the beginning of Black History Month. And um, I don't know about you, but uh, once we start talking about Black history, I get a little bit of pushback from folks, kind of like, well, what about White History Month? Or, you know, those kinds of things. And I guess it bothers me because I feel like, you know, and I'm not one of those um, militant sort of people. Um, I'm half white, half black. But I feel, and I've always felt, and I've always enjoyed Black History Month because, you know, when we were in the process of adopting um, my daughter, uh, two of my children adopted, um, and her younger brother, uh, it, one of the things that we discussed was Black History Month because she was in a school that was predominantly white. I think she was one of three students that was black. Um, and she was really struggling because she felt like, you know, well, what about me? What about people that look like me? How come I don't see anybody that looks like me? So for Black History Month, um, I sent her a care package. Uh, there was a school supply store nearby and I sent her some stickers and, you know, some of the, you know, hands and gingerbread people made out of different shades of, of, that people come in. 
and those kinds of things. But I kind of wanted to talk about it because Black History Month has always been kind of special to me. Um, the contributions of our people uh, to this country. But I think the biggest concern that I have is, you know, one, it's relegated to a month. Um, and I never did that in homeschooling my kids. We always studied the contributions of of black Americans when we could. Um, but also the fact that we tend to study the same people all the time. It's like always about Martin Luther King or Harriet Tubman, and they have amazing contributions. Do not get me wrong, but there are other people. There was black wall street and the wealth, um, that was amassed during that period of time, Madam CJ Walker. Um, there's so many other people. If you go to Alan West's, uh, site today, he talked about, of course, again, I'm doing the timestamps, but he posted, he's posted this week, um, since the beginning of black history month, a number of profiles of people. Um, and so you can go there wall builders has an excellent resource of, uh, Black Americans and their contributions to history. There's a great book that we studied for our homeschool that was uh, called Setting the Record Straight in Black and White that I really enjoyed. So I don't know, what are your thoughts about Black History Month? Well, um, well, whether or not we relegate it to a month or not, I think Black History is something that all Americans should study as much as possible, even if they're not Black, because it's such an integral part of American society, American history, and American culture, and just the study of it. I mean, from the early slave trade days where Blacks were taken from the, the tip of Africa by Europeans, sold sold to these European by the other blacks. And I know that was a big story a few months ago because when the movie The Woman King was released, few people remembered that uh, that these empires were were mostly taken were, were mostly taken neighboring Africans to sell and that's how they built their empire. I remember um it was Thomas Sowell who was heavily critical of the miniseries Roots because it, it misrepresented so much Black history. So you go from there to um, the, how Blacks survived in early America before America was even a, a country, right. how, we, how we did in the Revolutionary War. Some of us, many of us, I should say, fought in that war. And then we have the great debate between uh, the slave states and the the free free states, or I should say, the freer states. <laughs> and we can go all, all the way through, you know, the the, the pre Civil War period, the Civil War period, the Reconstruction period, the, mm -hmm. the turn of the twentieth century, the fight for the right to vote, the fight for uh, public education, the civil rights movement, Jim Crow, mm -hmm. the Jim Crow. I mean, it's such an integral part of American history, as I've seen. And we once had a, a professor on the show, a law professor, and he, he went over some of the most important um, uh, uh, Supreme Court decisions made in American history. And so many of them, at least the ones we focused upon, focused on, dealt with, um, 
African Americans, you mm -hmm. know, Brown versus Board of Education mm -hmm. and so and so forth. Uh, these decisions that made it okay to go into a free state and uh, capture a black man and drag him back into slavery. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a topic that can be discussed in great detail and great color to, to uh, excuse the, the word color and great, <laughs> can be discussed in great, uh, <laughs> in great detail. It's, it's an exciting story. It's, a, it's an American story. It's a human rights story. It's, it's a human condition story. I think everyone should focus on black history as much as possible. Our friend Alan West has on his subject today, this great story about Bass Reeves. Yes. Bass Reeves is someone I admired for many years. I've always pushed for there to be more material fiction, uh, material focus on Bass Reeves. Many, many people don't know that he's believed to be the inspiration for the Lone Ranger. He was a, he was a, he himself was a ranger. Uh, I think he was born in slavery. He came out yeah. west. He captured so many bad guys, and he did it mostly by himself. He's really an amazing character. Um, a great, great man. A great hero. He, he was unbelievable, unbelievable at what he did, and I'm I'm happy that uh, Alan West focused on him as the first entry in, into his. Black history story. So, I think, I think yeah, this continues. You know, and to those who would talk about Black History Month and say, well, what about White History Month? You know, that's kind of the whole idea behind Black History Month is that, you know, so much history uh, overlooks our stories and our contributions. So, it feels like kind of like my daughter. You know, what about me? What about us? What about the contributions of people like me? Um, I would prefer to see them interwoven into the fabric of this country and not have a Black History Month, because I don't think we should be relegated to a month. Um, I would like to see our story, as you said, interwoven with the American story, because it is. It's inextricably linked. Um, so I, I would say to... Uh, those who have issues and, and want to think about, well, what about White History Month? Just to think about um, if you were someone whose ancestry, you know, we all are from, a, you know, this is a melting pot. We all come from other countries. What if, you know, the contributions of your ancestors were overlooked? You know, a lot of people come to this country, the Irish, the Italian, Jewish people um, from other countries and the Native Americans who were here. All of these people uh, made contributions to this country. And so all of our histories should be studied and it shouldn't be relegated to a month or a period of time. It should be the story of this country and how it came to be and how we all came to exist together. So that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today because I feel like it's a very important discussion that we need to have. And I'd like to have it without the whatabouts um, and just focus on the fact that we are all human beings. We all have a role in this country, whether it was one that we wanted to have or one that was forced upon us, but we are here now together and uh, we have made incredible strides together as a nation. There are still some very glaring 
things that need to be addressed. And we'll talk about that in our next story. Um, but I feel like there's hope for this nation if we would just honor each other and the contributions that others have made to this nation. Well, I would just say one more thing that, so you know, I lived in New York City for a very long time, worked in Manhattan. And even though Manhattan was uh, mostly white, every weekend there was an ethnic celebration, it seemed. There was like a Russian day parade, a Jewish day parade, uh, Italians, of course, have their Columbus Day, and there was the Irish St. Patrick's Day. And, and of course, the Hispanics had like two or three days because sometimes they got broken up to Hispanic Day, then it was a Puerto Rican Day. and and so forth. And, uh, and of course, there were other ethnic groups that were represented with parades and festivals and so forth, Armenian festivals. If you go in certain neighborhoods and Cherry Blossom Festival in San yeah, Francisco when I was growing up was very popular. Yeah, of course, they had the whole, we had a, New York has a great Chinatown. So, of course, there was all kind of China, China day uh, festivals Year, uh, and, and, and so Chinese forth. New so, yeah. And I never complained about, about that. I always thought it was normal. And yeah. then later, you know, you start seeing these comments that why is there a Black History Month? Why isn't it like a, why is there an African-American History Month? Why, why isn't it just an American History Month? And I'm thinking, now, where does that come from? Hopefully it's just a minority of people who have that point of view. They're obviously a very vocal minority, but I, I thought they speak for most people, but it's just so very, so much hypocritical in my, in my point of view. Yeah. So, I mean, we study the contributions of white Americans every single day. So that's where that comes from. And it would be nice. And that's my third story. We're going to get it to uh, the representation of black uh, people in books. But, you know, to how rare is it to see a cover of a book with a black person on it? Or, I mean, now you see a lot of interracial commercials, um, but you didn't used to. It was kind of like, oh, that person looks like me, you know? And so, um, you know, growing up in the 70s with all that black exploitation, which we'll get to when we talk about this, but, you know, it, it was just, you know, people who are unsavory characters. And that's the only time you really saw black people in movies. But I want to get to your story today. Tell us, tell us what's on your mind. Well, I wanted to talk about this uh, Tyree Nichols case. Um, just want to say that I think today is his uh, funeral as we record. And I think the story of Tyree Nichols is mostly known. Here's a picture of him now. And to me, Tyree Nichols is, of all the killings we hear about, a police officers killing an unarmed black man. The Tyree Nichols case is the one I found most personally disturbing, at least since the killing of uh, Fernando Castile, which was in 2016, because these these other killings, the ones, even the controversial ones, they mostly dealt with black men, even if unarmed, who were fighting the police, refusing to be restrained by the police or trying to escape from the police. Uh, even the George Floyd case, in my opinion, was not an intentional killing. It was a matter of police officers trying to restrain someone who, for whatever reason, 
was uh, hysterical, hmm. and they thought they can put their knee on his back to prevent him from escaping, from hurting other cops, hurting other people, hurting himself. And that had a very tragic result. So, but in the Nichols case, there's no excuse for what happened. Let's, um, I just want to show a little bit of the video here so the audience have an idea what I'm talking about. On January 7th, Memphis police pulled over the 29-year-old for alleged reckless driving. You guys are really doing a lot right now. Bro, Stop. lay down. I'm lay, just trying to go home. Lay down. Man, if you don't lay down. Bro, I am on the ground. Put your hands on your stomach. That apparent traffic violation resulting in what many are calling a brutal and heinous attack. Give me a hand. Give me a hand. Give me a hand. You might get sprayed again. Tyree Nichols heard calling out for his mother just blocks away from where he lived. Watch out, watch out. Watch out. Video from police worn body camera in this light pole show Nichols beaten and bloody. He had Hey, sit up, bro. Sit up, man. The Memphis Police Department announcing Nichols was in critical condition after two confrontations. Then on January 10th, Nichols died in the hospital from his injuries three days after his arrest. What? As we can see in this video, as we saw in the video, Tyree Nichols was not uh, a danger to these police officers. He's a 145-pound man. Um, he's on the ground. His arms are behind his back. He's complying to the best of his ability, even in that situation with the police orders. They're yelling at him, get on the ground, get on the ground, show me your hands, show me your hands. He's on the ground. He's, his hands are behind his back, yet they continue to beat him. That's that's very hard to uh, justify. Um, I know that police work is, is very tough work, especially in cities, and I'm personally very pro-police. You know, they're dealing with people who, who disrespect them, threaten them. Uh, cops are uh, threat uh, in danger of being killed at almost any moment in the cities. It's a high pressure job and you're dealing with the worst people imaginable uh, in many circumstances. And it's, it's no mystery why the suicide rate among police officers is so high. So you're dealing with a lot of frustrations and it's, it's human to want to Take out your frustrations on someone, especially if they're not behaving in a way that you want them to. That happens to, um, you know, fast food cashiers when they get into arguments with uh, customers who complain too much. So just imagine how much worse it is for a, a cop dealing with some guy they had to pull over for reckless driving who may or may not be as polite as that cop would want, but to make, to beat him to death, to kick him, to punch him, to hit him over the head with a, a police baton when he's subdued, surrounded by police officers who are significantly, each one of them are, could have, are significantly bigger than he is. Any one of them could have restrained him by themselves. He was no danger. 
And yet they just continued to beat him until he eventually uh, passed away from the beating. He, he, was, he was killed. Um, it might not have been completely intentional. Uh, I, they would have to charge him with something like uh, somewhere in the area of manslaughter and second degree. Second degree. And they, I think they're trying to charge him more than that. Maybe those charges will come down in time. But it's, it's something that's deserving of them being seeing significant uh, prison time. So I'll just make one more point about this is that it's very strange that so many people want to make this about race. And my point is that if you make everything that that blacks do or blacks do to each other about race or white supremacy and so forth, then why not make whites responsible and give them credit for everything good that blacks do? If if blacks have if whites have that much power over the black community that they could be responsible for five black police officers beating to death, beating to death a a black citizen then they sh then whites should be giving credit for five police officers risking their lives to save a black citizen. I mean, I understand what they're trying to do. They have a very anti-police, anti-white narrative and that and they want to exploit every opportunity that they can. But what they're doing in reality is um, denying the agency that blacks have. And now we're, we're humans. We can make our own decisions. We can do bad things. We can do good things. We're not just puppets at the end of a string held by white masters. So, so white, white supremacy is no excuse for this. And the other things I mentioned, um, the frustrations police officers feel, none of that's an excuse. I think we should see significant jail time and and hopefully we can uh, move on from this. So uh, what's your view? I'm not sure I completely agree with you about the George Floyd thing. I do think that that was murder. Um, I know that there were some extenuating circumstances there that didn't apply in this particular situation. But to your point, this was murder. Uh, jail time is warranted. Uh, this is horrific and should never have happened. I'm sorry to hear uh, so many people talk about uh, white supremacy being mm. the issue. Um, I think there was a terrible lapse in judgment. I don't know why this occurred and what the motivation could have been. Um, I think also, uh, you know, I've hear, I've been hearing a lot about how black people can be prejudiced too. And that is true. I mean, I've experienced it um, in my own life. Uh being biracial. I've heard a number of comments that were really beyond the pale. Um, and so I do, I, I've experienced it in a number of, of, of areas in my life. Um, so it does exist. And I think that that's a conversation that we need to have and we need to look honestly. And, and, and that's the thing about these racial discussions, DK, is that you know, anytime we've talked on the Acons page on Facebook about slavery, can't you people get over you people get over that? 
and those kinds of things. It's hard to have a discussion about race in this country, but I think an honest discussion is needed. And one of the prongs of that is that, yes, Black people can be racist too, because it's a sin problem, not a skin problem. You hear people say that, but it's true. Um, and so I do believe that we need to have some honest discussions about policing in our communities. Uh, I think that, that that extends back to the time of slavery when, you know, uh, paterollers would come out and uh, try to catch uh, slaves and, and take them back. So there's always been kind of this unease. Um, and so this kind of thought that, you know, uh, black cops work for the man, as, as you pointed out. And so I do think that we need to have some conversations about that. But, you know, I also think, and this bothered me, but if you Google it and you go back, well, there's a couple of videos that you'd have to Google, but Tim Scott, who's been a friend to the show. Uh, he's been on a number of times. I've met him. He's a great guy. Uh, he has talked from the house floor about driving while black. One, brought tears to my eyes. We watched it uh, with my family and uh, had a discussion about that. Uh, but he also talked, uh, maybe it was last year, or the year before when he introduced the legislation uh, for criminal justice reform and how repeatedly he was, and I mean, he said, I said, put anything in there that you want and I will sign off on this, you know, just, you know, let's get this reform done. And people, because he was Republican, staunchly refused to listen to anything that he had to say. But I read it and it was pretty well, uh, it was a pretty comprehensive plan. And I feel like that's kind of where we need to go. We need to start talking about criminal, true criminal justice reform and what that looks like. And we are so partisan and so factionalized. I don't know if that's possible to have a, a discussion without uh, inflamed passions getting in the way. These types of situations such as we saw with Tyree Nichols are unconscionable and should never, ever happen. Botham Jean is another person um, that I can think of that should never, ever, ever have happened. Uh, but here we are. Um, and so there are a number of, of people that we could talk about that were unarmed. Um, I'm thinking of Tamir Rice. There, there are other situations that we could talk about and we, we should talk about and we need to talk about. I don't want Antifa to go on a riot or BLM to go destroy neighborhoods and loot. That doesn't bring anybody back. It doesn't do anything but hurt the community that people uh, are, are living in um, and, and keeps them from being able to have a place to. Uh, purchase goods and things like that in their communities. And a lot of these are black owned businesses. So it's, it's self-harm really. But I do think that we need to talk about true criminal justice reform in all, I mean, from, from uh, profiling and driving while black all the way through death penalty cases and things like that, as we talked about last week with our, our guest, uh, Alan Dershowitz. I'm not a huge proponent of the death penalty because I've seen uh, too many innocent people uh, that were wrongly convicted. So I do think that we really need to talk about all aspects of this rationally, calmly, and with solutions as the focus. What's happened in the past has happened in the past. We can't bring anybody back. We can't fix what has happened. But the beauty of this country, and when we talk about slavery and, oh, you white people did this, and oh, yeah, where are we now? 
you know, oh, the flag did this or the flag did that. That's why I kneel and la, la, la. You know, where are we now? This country has also given black people voting rights. It has freed slavery. Uh, you know, it has also done a number of really good things. So let's talk about where we are. Let's all come to the table. Let's be solutions oriented and not hash out. You did this to me and I'm still carrying a grudge about that. I think we probably do need to have some discussions because people are hurt and don't feel like they've been heard about things. I mean, if you want to start that up, just talk about the hyphen and African-American conservatives. That'll, I mean, that's like beans and chili here in Texas. That'll get a fight started. So, you know, but we need to have some conversations to kind of pave the way. But I think that that's where we need to go next and really talk about true criminal justice reform in America for everyone. Yeah, that was, that was very well said. I mean, there's not much I could uh, add to that, I'll, I'll just say that you know, racial profiling is a, a fact of life in this country. And I know that when I was a teenager, I would go through certain neighborhoods. I wouldn't be allowed to walk through. There were stores I wouldn't be allowed to enter. There were stores that, that would allow me to enter, but the security guard would be so close behind me wherever I went, I could probably smell what he had for lunch that day. That day. Um, so I understand what's going on. I've been stopped by the police numerous times, um, sure. you know, pushed against the wall and frisked because I happened to look like someone who did something. But it's a little, the issue itself, as offensive as it is and how much we hate being stopped for no other apparent reason other than the fact that we're Black, it's, the issue is slightly complicated because Black people racially profiled too. Uh, uh, Jesse Jackson had a famous quote that he said that if he saw a gang of young black men walking down the street toward him, he would be more nervous than he would be if he saw a gang of young white men walking down the street toward him. And it's a sad reality in this country that so much of the crime that occurs, especially towards black people, is disproportionately the result of black men. So whether it's the police, whether it's a, a shop owner, whether it's somebody walking down the street, they're even if they're black, white, Hispanic, Asian, or whatever, there is a reaction that they they get when they see a young black man. And it's not solely because of racism, it's because they, they see so many uh, examples of young black men committing crimes. You know, if I had, if I was working behind a cash register at a 7-Eleven, for example, or any uh, convenience store, and I saw, if I saw like 10 black men walk in at the same time, especially if they're teenagers, I would, I would be very nervous. and. and and sometimes, more times than we care to admit, justifiably so. And it's the same with the police. If a police officer sees uh, uh, someone who looks suspicious, more time than, than not, that person who looks suspicious is gonna be the same skin color as the police officer, if, if the police officer is black. And I'm sure they had something to do with Tyree Nichols also, I mean, Maybe they wouldn't have treated 
a white person who was pulled over for reckless driving in, in quite such a hostile way, but maybe they would have. So it's a, it's a very complicated issue. It's not completely because of racism, although one can make the case that a lot of it is. And, and I agree with you. That should be on the table. We should talk about that. And, you know, uh, right after Ferguson, uh, my I call him my cousin. We grew up together. And he said, you know, well, you have black sons. I have black sons. Aren't you concerned about them? Don't you think that they could get shot at any time? And yeah, they could. But, you know, I told him, I said, part of it is because of what we're seeing. This looting and rioting for, you know, seven, 10 days every single night where things are being burned down and faces like ours are doing the pushing, you know, turning cars over and, and carrying out these plasma TVs and all of this kind of stuff. I said, do you really think that white America seeing this play out on their televisions every single night, do you think that when a white woman now sees a young black man, she's not going to, I mean, the instinct is for her to clutch her purse and walk around. I mean, you kind of see this sort of catch 22, right? If black people get offended because white people act in that way when they see them, but then you see things like this on television and it doesn't put us in the best light. Um, and so we may be justifiably angry because, you know, a 12 year old uh, unarmed child was accosted or killed or whatever. You know, um, I'm thinking about the, the case in Florida. Uh, and so, you know, I'm, I just I think that we need to really, like I said, have a rational conversation about this, not when any particular case is going on that we can tie it to, but just talk about um, some of this stuff. But we need to look at what we look like when we do these sorts of things, um, like the rioting and the looting, that that doesn't engender goodwill and that that, and you can say that you're angry and I'm angry. I do have two black sons and I have talked about the, what to do if they get pulled over. And I have talked to them about how they comport themselves. You know, when we go to the store, um, you know, I'm always talking to uh, my youngest son about wearing his hood up or, or anything like that, you know, about wearing a hoodie in, in particular. Um, and why shouldn't he? It's a piece of clothing that they sell at a store. There's no shame in it. He's not wearing an Antifa mask or, you know, a, a, a BLM hoodie or anything like that, you know. But the fact of the matter is, because of those situations, yeah, you talk about it, you've got a game plan in place and you can feel angry about why do I even have to talk to them about that? You know, do white people talk to their white kids about some of that stuff? And I don't know, you know, I can only talk about my family and what we do. Um, and I've talked to a number of black families who've had those conversations. It's sad that we have them, but are we completely um, without culpability in that? And that's what I'm saying. Nobody wants to talk about that piece of it, that we have some culpability, culpability, just like we're talking in this case that, yes, black people can be racist. We don't want to talk about that piece of it. We just want to talk about what the white man does. But we need to talk about all of these things, all of the shades of the complexity, if you will. And that is intentional, that verbiage. There's a lot of complexity to this issue, and we need to really begin to have some true discussions. But this country is so polarized. I mean, the fact that um, this plan that Tim Scott had was so nuanced and so well-developed, if you really go and read his Justice Act 
plan. Um, it really covered everything. But I mean, if you had read it and let's just say they took the cover sheet off and they didn't tell you who came up with it, or let's just say they put somebody else's name on it. Let's say they put, you know, Ayanna Presley's name on it or somebody else. Uh, then we might be hearing about it. Maybe it would actually be a law. I don't know. But it just seems like we're so polarized because, you know, Tim Scott is such a token. I've heard that. That is such disgusting language um, that he's being used by, you know, the racist white supremacists and all that kind of garbage um, to enact this plan to put us in, you know, going to put y'all back in chains. That's not racist at all. Right. Mm. To have him say that or whatever, but still I'm on a tangent. I don't want to digress, but you know, the, the, those kinds of conversations, all of those things are true. All of those things are true. You can have um, what happened with, Tyree Nichols, which is absolutely unjustified, absolutely disgusting, should never have happened and deserves to have its day in court. And black people can be racist too. I mean, both of those things are not mutually exclusive and we act like they are. And we are so polarized and factionalized in this country that we can't even have an honest discussion about some of these things. And I think having those honest discussions would help us move forward to get to a place where we could really have those discussions about true criminal justice reform in this country. Now, I saw something interesting on TV uh, yesterday. It was a promo for a Jane Austen movie. And I noticed that, surprisingly so, because I'm not the Jane Austen expert that you are, but I have read them and I, it was so it was strange to me that um, some of these Jane Austen characters in the movie were black. I I didn't I didn't pick up from reading you know these books that Jane Austen wrote about black characters. What, what you're the expert? What do you say about that? Well, that's actually a great segue into what I want to talk about <laughs> is black representation in books. Let me answer your question, and then I'll get into the thing that I wanted to talk about. But <clears throat> the whole controversy is around the new uh, persuasion happens to be my favorite of her books, by the way. But there's a new ad adaptation that came out uh, last summer starring Dakota Johnson. Um, and so, you know, they have some people of color in this and all of the Jane Austen forums that I participate in uh, exploded with this discussion. And so um, it turned into, you know, a lot of people who uh, I would guess are white um, saying, you know, well, what's wrong with people dressing up? Because what's wrong with you people? Why couldn't I love reimagining people in ball gowns and, and blah, 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 blah. But that's the problem. You're reimagining it. My issue is at that time, guess what? We didn't have the luxury of coming in the front door in a beautiful ball gown. We were serving if we even got to be there at all. So, and had to come in the back way. So I'm just saying that is an affront to me because that's not what reality was. If you know anything about Regency England, that is when the slave trade was still going on. That, you know, that, that it's, Mansfield Park is a, is a book by Jane Austen and she explores that theme. And I think that it's actually pretty courageous of her, first of all, as a woman author, but to tackle something about the, the slave trade, um, you know, in uh, 
Antigua and, and that kind of stuff. She talked about some of that stuff. So that was where the controversy came from. I don't have a problem with reimagining things, but I do remember maybe 25, 30 years ago when Denzel Washington was in Hamlet. My husband and I looked at each other like, Denzel Washington, Kenneth Branagh, their brothers? What? What are you talking about? <laughs> that ain't happening. You know, we just couldn't, we're incredulous. Not because Denzel isn't in a, isn't a fabulous actor of course he is he could act circles around you know a number of people that i could think of but that wasn't the point the point is when you go to a movie or when you get lost in a book and i read a lot i've read 25 books already this year 2023 so by the time this airs i'll probably have read a couple more but i'm just saying that when you uh read a book or you watch a movie the whole idea is to escape to go into a realm and forget about your problems, forget about the world that you currently reside in and get immersed into a different world. And for me, a lot of the adaptations of Jane Austen um, that they've made have been hard for me because they're not true to the book. So for me, it was accuracy. It was historical accuracy and being true to the book. And a lot of what Austin talks about um, is the culture that she grew up in. Um, and, and there were, it was, it was a classist sort of thing. Um, it was almost like a caste system, you know, where, uh, they had tradespeople, and although they were respectable, uh, it wasn't like being gentry. And so there are these class distinctions. Um, uh, so where do you think we fit in and all that? Right. So it, it this adaptation was really difficult, um, because it suspended that 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 sort of being able to escape into this period of time because that was not the reality for people who look like me and people who look like you so that was a huge huge issue and it's still an issue and some people heard me on that point that I was angry about it that you know we weren't invited to beautiful balls um, to be able to show off our finery and dance the quadrille or whatever, you know, in our satin slippers. That wasn't the case for us. And so um, I don't know. I, I still see a lot of that going on on, on a, a lot of the forums that I participate in because Bridgerton is a thing. I don't watch that because it's a little too, um, it's not innocuous enough for my standards you know i don't i don't watch that kind of thing with the language and the steamy scenes and all that kind of stuff so but um it's still a big thing where people are like oh you know we're woke now and so we need to have this diverse cast that expresses the the you know that asian because i think one of the leads captain wentworth um is an asian person um and we know that asian people i mean i was so glad to see that michelle yo finally got uh recognition for her many years in film um but you know asians have not achieved parody in film either and so there was a whole discussion about that but the fact of the matter is in regency england you didn't see folks like us dancing around in, in ballrooms. You didn't see folks that were of Asian descent doing so either. And that's a big issue for me. Well, my, my comment as my, or more of an observation that there are a lot of great writers out there that I've read. I, and I've read many great black writers like um, 
Toni Morrison or Colson Whitehead who, who write primarily black characters. And it's the same with Hispanic writers like Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Uh, he's a fantastic writer. He writes Spanish characters and uh, someone like Amy Tan, who is an Asian or Asian American writer. She writes characters who are primarily Asian. And when their work is adapted, the, the characters in the movie or the TV show are almost always the same ethnicity as they are That's in the, the books. Point. Yes. So what's wrong with a great white writer who writes primarily white characters? I mean, that's what they know. I'm sure Jane Austen didn't grow up in a diverse community. You know, she didn't go to balls where there were black uh, counts. There might have been one or two, but I thought of it was as many as being represented in these movies. And, and I don't know what's wrong with that. I don't know what's wrong with Mark Twain writing about Tom Sawyer being a, a white lad. I don't know what's wrong with J.K. Rowling writing about primarily white people um, and so forth. <coughs> and my bigger issue with this is that it's such a distortion of realities. Uh, I think you articulated that better than I could, but as you said, white the the world back then is not how the, these woke people are trying to uh, depict yeah. it. Um, and uh, I think we have one more point you wanted to make. Well, the issue around that is, as you said, you know, Amy Tan is Asian and she writes about Asian characters. You know, Marquez is Hispanic and he writes about Hispanic characters. You know, that's the issue is that my frustration around white writers writing in, writing in characters of color is that I've rarely ever seen this discussed, uh, but it is really a sore point with me, is that when you have a white protagonist from a white author, that author, you know, I grew up reading Nancy Drew. I loved reading Nancy Drew. They talked about her Titian hair. I had to look that up because I was, you know, eight, nine-year-old me didn't know what Titian meant. I know what it means now. I mean, she had red hair. But back then I didn't. Um, and so they talked about, you know, her Titian hair and all these other characteristics that she had. Five minutes um, ago, I didn't know what that meant. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so so here's the thing. You know, when you hear white characters from a white author, they describe their hair color. They describe their eye color. They never say this is a Caucasian character. You figure it out because I haven't seen too many black people naturally with red hair. I haven't seen too many people that are you know black that have blue eyes naturally uh you know there's few there's some yeah don't get me wrong but i'm just saying generally speaking i'm picturing a white person when i see somebody say you know her blonde hair and her her blue eyes i'm thinking okay she's white but guess what when they start talking about her wisecracking latina friend you know it's her wisecracking latina friend you know they have to throw in the ethnicity there or this large african american gentleman stepped out of the shadows or whatever it was or the rotund hispanic cook that you know it's like all these kind of stereotypical characters plus it's got the racial descriptor but 
was there wasn't a racial description for the Titian haired character or the <laughs> blue eyed character or whatever, but the the sidekick or the uh, the character of color has to have a racial descriptor in front of them. And so, oh well, what color skin did that? african-american sidekick have once in a while they'll say caramel colored or whatever because you know we don't all look alike. a lot of people for many many years didn't know that i was black you know uh so th there's variations you know the high yellow kind of hierarchy that uh existed in um african-american communities a lot of people outside our community don't know about good hair discussions you know uh, usually i have my hair out when we tape, uh, but it was a lot to deal with in this weather today, so I didn't, but you know, I have good hair. Um, I'm high yellow. Uh, so some of these discussions that we have inside of our community, but those outside of our community, you know, we're all kind of lumped in together. So, you know, even though you, in the Hispanic community, you talked about Marquez writing Spanish characters, Spanish is a language. Uh, and so, uh, within communities, because you and I are studying Spanish through Duolingo, you know, there's uh, in in Spain, they say hacer instead of hacer, as you would say in maybe a Latin American country. There are different accents in Colombia versus Puerto Rico versus uh, Argentina, uh, those, those kinds of uh, nuances that you know, don't translate. It's the same in the black community. You know, somebody who's black in New York has a very different experience than somebody who's black in Alabama. So, you know, those kinds of things don't get translated. You know, we're all lumped in. So, you know, my skin color might be a little different than a different uh, character. And so I would like to see the racial descriptors dis uh, dropped all together because my creative writing teacher in college said, show me don't tell me. So don't tell me what ethnicity this character is. Show me. This person can eat a variety of foods. Of course, we all do, but I'm just saying they can speak another language. Uh, you can describe the color of their skin. You can describe their eye color. You can describe the texture of their hair. There are a lot of ways to do it without telling me. And so like as we talked about in our last story with criminal justice reform, I would like for us to have an honest discussion. And, and like I talked about with black history month, just talk about history, period. Talk about these characters, weave them in your books, but don't tell me their ethnicity. If they're all getting together and if you're throwing in a character just for tokens sake, uh, you don't do that. <laughs> don't do that at all. Nobody wants to be a token um, and, and just have that character for woke sake. And you and I have discussed this with uh, both uh, Mike Barron and Eric July, all of the characters that are being thrown into comics just for tokenism. And, you know, everybody now is gay. Um, there are no heterosexual people in the Marvel universe, pretty much, um, <laughs> except for, you know, uh, Reed, uh, Sue, Reed and uh, her husband, but you know, that's about it. Uh, and so it, it's just disconcerting to me when I read it. And I, and I really have not seen too many authors at all. I mean, maybe two or three. And again, I read hundreds 
of books every year and multiply that by 58, which I am, and you get thousands and thousands of books that I've read over my life. And very, very few get this right. And so authors out there, if you're watching, fix this. I would love to see that addressed. I would love to see no more racial descriptors, unless you talk about, you know, she's Caucasian or she's white, then fine, throw that in there if you're going to talk about the other characters. But I think a good storyteller tells a great story. Like Mike Barron said, they're there to, to entertain first. Tell us a great story, an accurate story to reference our point to Jane Austen. There were none of us uh, gallivanting around in ball gowns or breeches or, you know, Hessian boots didn't happen. So, uh, you know, uh, yeah, you can Google that when we're done. Uh, so, you know, just those kinds of things. So just, I want historical accuracy. I want a really good story. And I want these descriptors to stop. I want you to show me what your character looked like. Let me imagine that character. Yeah, well, I agree, especially if the descriptors are not universally applied. Uh, like you just said, if you're going to describe decay as a black man, then why not? describe this, these other characters as white or Asian or uh, whatever they happen to be. And, and you just talked about adaptations, um, you know, how a character could be white in a book, but suddenly you see the movie and it's, and the character is not white. That, that, that does irk me and, and, and irks a lot of people. And it doesn't necessarily have to do with race I remember this funny uh, discussion I, I I overheard when I was sitting at McDonald's, and yes, I do spend too much time at McDonald's, but that's I'm gonna <laughs> save that for another show. And, um, you knew what I was thinking. I was actually thinking that. <laughs> yeah, we know each other so well. They do have good fries. They fries do all day. No shame in that. <laughs> so I'm overhearing the conversation. And there's a woman sitting alone, and she's reading a James Patterson book, someone I'm not an expert on, but I know he's popular. And she's reading a James Patterson book, I think it was. And another guy walks in, he sees the book. He's another James Patterson fan, and they strike up a conversation. And, and one of the things they agreed on is that they hated the Tom Cruise movie. He did an adaptation of one of the Jack Reacher books. He played Jack Reacher and and they both hated the movie because if you read the books apparently uh, Jack Reacher is like he appears to be on the, the TV show a huge very muscular blonde man Tom Cruise is nothing like that. No. <laughs> and see that's the thing I had one of the issues that I had with with uh uh, one of the Jane Austen adaptations of Persuasion. They described one of the characters and the actress that, that played that character was nothing like what she described. And that bothered me. And it was a white actress. So it wasn't like, you know, I was upset about, you know, this kind of woke casting or whatever. I mean, it just wasn't the way that you describe. Here's the thing. If you're going to have a favorite author or a favorite director of movies or, you know, writer of movies or whatever, you like their work 
And so when someone takes liberties with that work, for example, you know, I remember a number of years ago, I watched uh, American Idol. Why? I don't know, but I do. And there was a version of Ring of Fire that Adam Lambert did that was kind of this Middle Eastern sounding kind of. Now, if you know Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire, or even Social Distortion's Ring of Fire, uh, it doesn't sound anything like Adam Lambert did that night. And so the judges were incensed by that. They're like, I don't like it because you took a song that is like almost iconic and made it into this i mean you know um that it, it it's about being a purist not like a white supremacist purist but i'm talking about a purist that you know for example there are some people that think it's a sacrilege to put milk in tea, you know, because they like the flavors in their tea or whatever it is you know they're purists and so i think that we need to respect the fact that there are some things that are kind of sacrosanct that you don't touch, that you just leave um, alone um, and try to make an adaptation out of um, and, and, and try to honor what this person's vision was. And that was the issue that you and I have talked about in the Marvel universe. Why retell a story? Like we've been talking about this whole Velma thing, making her a lesbian and making her all this kind of stuff. Why don't you come up with a character? That's a sleuthing Indian lesbian. <laughs> Go ahead. I mean, why name her Velma? Why make her part of the, you know, uh, the 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 gang? I mean, just you know, saying jinkies and whatever. Just make up a character and name her something else and have her be that character. But no, we've got to all of a sudden make you know um, Spider Man gay and Batman gay and all this kind of other stuff. Why don't you just make a gay superhero? You know, I wouldn't call him gay man, but you know, whatever. Whatever you want to call him, whatever his superpower is, call him that and make him that. But don't take these characters and mutate them into something else. See what I did right there with Spider-Man? Mutate. You mutate them into he, it was a mutation, just so that you know. I'm not talking about gay people being mutation. He was spit, he was bitten by a spider and it was a mutated. Just go read the go Google Spider-Man origin. <laughs> um, and so, you know, just taking these characters and making them into something that is vastly different than what the creator envisioned. Because here's the thing: if I'm a creator, and I specifically have an idea that I'm trying to get out of my brain and onto paper and out into the populace, and you mess with that, I'm not going to be happy about it. You've taken my intellectual property and you've turned it into this kind of uh, just circus, if you will. And I don't like that because that's my work. You come up with something original and you do it, even if it's a, a, a derivative, uh, you know, uh, in essence, I mean, because like they have fan fiction, right? Like what really happened when, you know, uh, during this period of time in one of the Jane Austen uh books or whatever, or what if this character had gotten with that character? You know, they have derivatives in that sense. And then that's whole new territory because Jane didn't write that. She may have introduced the characters, but she didn't write that storyline. So that's completely different, I think. I don't know. Yeah, and I remember the two of us, we were making fun of this movie. I think it was, um, I think it was Sense and Sensibility where the, the, the two teenage sisters uh, uh, didn't, didn't inherit oh, yeah. the, 
Is that sense and sensibility? Yes. And, the, and my we, our favorite adaptation had uh, Kate Winslet, who was yeah. nowhere near 16 years old when that was no. filmed, honey. <laughs> and, and, and her sister was supposed to, Eleanor was supposed to be 19 or 20. And no, Emma Thompson was probably dragging 40 at that point. Yeah, exactly. Not pushing it, dragging. Yeah. I'm exactly. sorry, but to your point, go ahead. So, and that's that's the the bottom line is that I don't think I don't think everything has to be like karaoke. You don't have to be note for note when you're adapting uh, intellectual property, but respect the intellectual property. And uh, absolutely, and especially along. And it's not with, racist to say that. I don't no, think it's but racist. Especially along yeah. racial lines, if yeah. uh, if the character in the comic or the novel is is black. Keep them black when you adapt them. If the character is white, keep them white. I mean, if you think there should be more black characters, then create more. Invent them. Yeah. yeah. Like Eric and, July did. Yeah. Yeah. Like Eric yeah. July or Spike Lee or so many yeah. great uh, creatives, mm -hmm. uh, people, creative people of color. You know. Um, There's no shortage we, of us. Yeah. Yeah. We don't. The good ones, we don't sit around saying, why weren't there more black people in The Godfather? We create our own movies, you know, and then and then we cast them for black people. Um, and that's that's pretty much what I wanted to say about that. Be respectful to the yeah. intellectual property. Yeah. I think this has been a great show. Uh, I, I'm sorry that we didn't have our guest this week, Alan West, who was, if you're just joining us, was... Uh, sidelined because of this weather uh and so and thankfully internet didn't go down during this because that's another issue uh so let's uh all pray for uh those who are in this storm this week it's it's been a rough time for for many folks but be that as it may it was a great discussion here at African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement. If and you can, I just uh, bring sure. up a couple more things before we wrap up. I okay. want to ask anyone who's interested to go to our Substack. I just wrote a, a piece about uh, Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden, how they're apparently living above the law in terms <laughs> of classified documents and classified information. I think the piece is called Pelosi and Biden, um, who watches the Watchmen. I would like as many people as possible to read that. And I also want to uh, reiterate my uh, my plug for Alan West's Substack when he writes about uh, Bass Reeves, and, and he's going to be writing about more a great African Americans. So, so check out these two Substacks, uh, and that's and, Adam, and perfect Alan West. That's a perfect segue because I was going to remind our readers to go to our Substack. It's acons, A-A-C-O-N-S dot Substack, S-U-B-S-T-A-C-K dot com. Acons dot Substack dot com is where you'll find a lot of our commentary. Uh, DK has been writing uh, a number of really great pieces uh, and <laughs> always writes a number of great pieces. Of course, he's got a good editor. But I'm just saying, <laughs> just saying, you know, I don't take too many intellectual liberties. I hope I don't. Too I have, many. Not I have, too many. I have an excellent editor. You do. Uh, but uh, go to our acons.substack.com. You'll see a lot of great commentary there. Uh, you'll also find Alan West there. It's alanwest.substack.com. Um, and also, if you want to follow us, please go to brightnews.com. They also have a 
uh, YouTube channel where you see all of our videos and things like that. So do go to YouTube, uh, brightnews.com. You'll see the link there. Go to the, the YouTube channel and subscribe there. And also our podcast is carried on Spotify and all of the major platforms. If you go to anchor.fm forward slash A-A-C-O-N-S, you can see the link for Spotify as well as a number of other platforms. But for now, this is Marie. This is DK. Saying goodbye from African-American conservatives, the soul, the conservative movement. <laughs>